Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to make them, how to get them made and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Oh no. I mean, I could have read that, known that bit from listening to the podcast. There you go. I always thought that was pre-recorded, though. Yeah, I thought it was the same every single time. I do it every time. Yeah, I, should, I should have done that better. Um, today, we're talking about how to make a no-budget movie and get it in cinemas. I'm Giles Alderson, the director of psychological horror feature film The Dare and vampire documentary World of Darkness and producer of horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. We're coming at you from Just Voices Studio today. It's a brilliant studio, reasonably priced. I say it every week, but it is amazing in here. They're so lovely. They offer you cups of tea and water. What else did they offer you? Well, there was a full bottle of rum that we didn't have the nerve to ask. But oh. It was just there. And I didn't. didn't have the nerve, but, yeah. but they would have done. And that's it, how it, nice it they felt are like that It looked we, too expensive. Yeah. It, it, for it you felt, guys, it felt probably. Like if we asked for their rum, they would have given us their rum. Their rum, but that's how nice yeah. they are. So if you do, if you are making, I don't know, if you're making a film, you need voiceover, you need ADR, you're doing a podcast, then contact them here, uh, contact Lee, contact Simon, get involved, they're brilliant. Just face, just... <laughs> Did you? No. I'd moved on that. He said like a burp. I was like, that's no, it. No, it was definitely. It was, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, JustVoicesAgency.com. Do you want a beer, by the way? <laughs> I've got some beers. Beer. We got them from Marsden's um, when we had Deborah Haywood on, and she was talking about the Beer Town Film Festival up in, in, oh, yes, in Buxton. Buxton yeah. 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 yeah, they gave us a load of beers, and I've still got some left over. So if oh. you want one, I'll, I, I fancy one, so I'm going to yeah, get absolutely. one. If you're having one, I'll have one because it would be rude not to. It'd be rude not to. Right, I'm getting them. Can you open them with your bare hands? But yeah. Yeah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> open it with your teeth. Yeah, David sounds a bit weird for the rest I of the podcast. I just worry about dentist. mouth's gotten numb. Dentist prize. That's going to uh, cost... One. Not that tooth, they're the weak oh, ones. Jesus. That one failed. First time was great. You have to go back there. You go. Yes. Yeah, that one. That one. Oh. Cheers, boys. Oh, the trick is... There's blood on this one. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is, is how much it, uh, effort you put into puncturing the top of it, not pulling it up. If you put all the effort into why? pulling it up, then you'll lose a tooth. Oh, really? If you put all the effort into pushing down the middle of the <laughs> thing, then... Wow, we have beer opening tips with uh, the mouth. Yeah. My brother tried it on a budget. With his bum hole. <laughs> on a budget? Your brother tried it? Well, tried it open one with his bum hole. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. What? Didn't work. Of course it didn't work. It's almost impossible unless he's got a steel bang. asshole. <laughs> Well, that was his nickname in infant school. <laughs> in infant school. <laughs> in infant school. <laughs> this has started well. I love it. I know Stan Lee's been poorly, but, but I mean, these first ooh. drafts of steel arsehole. Uh, mm. <laughs> this is nice. You like the beer? Mm. I recommend beer. Pearl Jet from Marston's Brewery. They'll be very happy. There we go. More Send me a crate. Um, oh, we're doing a new segment it's called Shout Outs it's indie filmmaker shout outs we want to keep supporting indie filmmakers uh, like ourselves uh, so we wanted to start shouting out uh, any screenings you've got or fundraisers mm. or kickstarters whatever so if you've got anything then uh, contact me on twitter at Giles Alderson or at Filmmakers Pod um, this week's shout outs are to Paul Plett he emailed us and asked us to shout out his film which is on Kickstarter called Rama. It's a post-apocalyptic film about a girl who's infected with a deadly virus, looking for a cure. Tonally, it's a mix of Firefly, Mad Max, and Blade Runner. Right? Two Sounds of my, good. Two of my yeah. three favourite things. There I mean, it, it does feel really unlucky to have survived an apocalypse mm. and then have a virus. It, it, it does, doesn't it? Oh, it what does. A, what a day. <laughs> what a day. But if you want to go fund that 
go on to Kickstarter and check it out. If nothing else, go follow these people on Twitter and retweet them just to show your support for indie filmmaking. Vanessa Bailey, um, she's making her directorial debut with her film Bus Stop Film. That's kickstarting as well. And Stu Walker has started shooting his gritty crime drama Bad Reasons. Cool. All right, so that was it for the indie shout-outs. Yes. All the best Ooh. to all of them. All the best to all of them. If you do want to support them, go do that. Um, remember, we're a small band of indie filmmakers and we should be supporting each other as much as we can. Okay, I want to do a few shout-outs to our tribe as well, the, film, the, the filmmakers out there and the people who love this podcast and just constantly retweeting us or sending us messages of love, and we love you for it. Um, Andrew Horner, Stu Laurie, Andrew Mackey, Diane Knight, Shariah Lashar, um, Laura Potter, Mark Mansfield, Simeon Willis. I'll do some more next week as well, but I just really appreciate you guys and hey, thank you very much. Remember, subscribe to us on iTunes. Keep us going up the charts. It means a lot to us. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Powercast 969, Tribulation Saints Radio, Overcast, or the Britpod scene. We're on all those things. Go find us. Go listen. Obviously, you're listening. So that's a bit mm. weird to say it because you're already <laughs> listening. So you're on. The t- it's just so you know we're on other places as well, right? Right. So join us today to talk about indie filmmaking is Mark Brown. Hello. Or Mark A.C. Brown. Yeah. What, because what's, what do we... It's because there's 44 other Mark Browns on IMDb. Strange. 44? It's such, it's such a unique name. Well, it's, yeah, it's the world's dullest name, so I had to think of something else, and uh, I've got two initials, and uh, it kind of... I like I liked the way my signature looked, sort of, you know? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> AC, it's cool. Yeah. It's like ACDC, uh, isn't it? It's like, you know... Yeah, I'm... It's out there. Mm. <laughs> and also joining us is actor David Whitney. Hello. Hello. Welcome, boys. Here to talk about the film Guardians. Uh, Mark A.C. Brown is director and screenwriter who runs Brainhound Films. Mm -hmm. He wrote the feature script Heckle, which starred David. He's written tons of plays and audio dramas as well. He made the short films uh, Political Life. I directed that, yep. Yep. Uh, The Ballad of the Lonely Highwayman. Produced that. Oh, produced (laughs) that. Okay. Um, Corinthian. Yes, I wrote and directed that one. And Stained. And I wrote that one. And his directorial debut, Guardians, is a comedy thriller which he wrote, which is out now. Yes. Yes. And Guardians star David Whitney, um, who's also a stand-up comic. We'll find out if that's true. Um, <laughs> can play the bagpipes. And he trained at Drama Center um, with some very big names at the time. Michael Fassbender, Tom Hardy. That's yes. a brand, not oh. so much, but the other two. Yeah, it's great. That's what are they up to? What are they up to? to? Doing nothing. Yeah. They should be here with you. Um, he starred in the films The Space Between, Rekindle, Dominic Burns' Allies, um, Heckle, obviously we talked about, which was written by Mark. Kane Hill, those producers, Tony Cook and Jean Fillet, who also directed it, have been on the podcast. They chatted in depth about how they made that film. Um, I can't remember what episode that is. Check it out, find it out. And David's been on TV as many characters in the hilarious Phone Jacker. Yes. I love finding that information out <laughs> because I loved Phone Jacker. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to make. It, um but I just made a, another thing with the, the same guys uh, called Sticky, which Tom was in, actually, Tom Hardy. Uh-huh. Um, it's just We just did a Tom. pilot for it. I like that, Tom. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, Ed Tracy, who directed Phone Jacker, um, and he he's just done this sort of photo sh- animation. So our bodies are animated, but it's our actual heads. Um, and uh, it's uh, hopefully it's on BBC Three, the 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 pilot is anyway should should no more money cut be forthcoming but right. uh, it seemed weird if they didn't 
green light it with Tom Hardy in it. Yeah, it does. Seems unlikely. Like, why, why and his wife. But, and oh, his wife, yes. Charlotte yeah. Riley. Yeah. And um, K. Van Novak, the phone jacker himself. He's great, isn't uh, he? So, um, and, and me. And you, I mean, of course. I mean, uh, so if they don't commission it, I think fingers will be pointed towards me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will be considered like my your fault. fault. But why wouldn't you? It's Tom Hardy. He's sort of like, well, look, it's kind of a no-brainer. Oh, they're taking the time about it, though, Giles. Really? <laughs> You'd have thought it would have been quick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Fucking arseholes. <laughs> um, so listen, boys, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you being here. Um, we're talking about how to make feature films. The hardest part is actually making them, getting them off the ground and doing it. So let's start at the beginning. Mark, let's start with your start. How did you start? How did I get, get into films and stuff? Yeah, how did you get into films? Um, well, I, it, it is a long and drawn out story and I'll try and keep it short. Um, Please. I, I basically wanted to make films for my entire life as long as I have been conscious. That is my first thoughts that I can remember of watching films and seeing films and stuff. And so I've been just kind of working towards it forever and it took a really long time because I didn't go about it the right way. Um, what, what do you mean? What, how? Well, I'm from the Northeast and you're yeah, told... whereabouts, by the way? Um, really near Johnny Grant. Seriously? His, he's, he lives down one mile from my mum. Stop it. He lives in Inglevy Barwick, or Barwick as we call it in Yarm. Yeah. And I'm from Yarm. You're from Yarm. And yeah, so he's like literally. That's amazing. Johnny Grant wrote The Dare with me and he also has written the Nobody's feature film. Yeah, as well, so we're going to have a doing. beer next time I'm in Yarm. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, did you meet him at the Newcastle Film Festival? I didn't. Recently? I didn't because oh. I didn't realise he was local. So I assumed oh. he'd be there for the whole thing. and mm. But he was there for just one night, I think. And, he came, and then he went home right. for like that night. That night. He's such so. a great guy. He ended up giving a lift home to. Fuck, who's the actor who's there? There was uh, Richard Armitage. Craig Conway. That would be nice. That would be nice too. Sean Pertwee. But no, but no, again, it was the guy. There were, there were other actors. There were there. other actors there, and it was the guy who was in the Wesley Snipes plane. Bruce Payne? Bruce Payne! Are you kidding me? He Bruce Payne was there. home to Bruce Payne. I didn't see Oh, I would love to have seen Bruce Payne. That was, you didn't see him. Yeah, Johnny no. did. Gave him a bloody lift. Oh. So anyway, you, you were struggling to which way to get into filmmaking. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I lived in the Northeast. And yep. so it just, it's basically, when I was growing up anyway, it was placed with very little dreams. And so I kind of just was told not to do what I wanted to do. Hmm. Uh, not by my family. They were very supportive. It was more like my schools and universities and everything. And I kind of just started doing it by myself, really, making stupid films with my friends. Yeah. Then did a really stupid film for my degree. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I'm not going to go into that now, but I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. I passed, though. You passed, though. Very, which is good Very enough. just 1% over the, over the fail mark. So, really? So can anyone see this film? No, no. I mean, it was so long ago, it was actually probably it was on VHS anyway. Like, I think it was only like a 10 minutes. No one's minutes. got video players anymore, yeah. so you're kind of exactly. safe now. No one's going to see it anymore. So anyway, the Northeast didn't have a huge amount to offer for filmmakers, mm-hmm. and so I fled to London after university. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of like fell into theatre yeah. and kind of honed my my writing and my voice, I guess you would call it. And and then then as it went on, my kind of my writing kind of became much more cinematic and became very kind of untheatrical. So I couldn't really couldn't keep doing theatre. I went back into film and met this director, Phil Hain, who directed quite a lot of the short films that we did. And eventually. Got sick of making short films. Got sick of writing feature films that weren't getting made. Because mm-hmm. you know. wrote for New Image, right? I did. I did. Spent a long time writing for them. It was a very pleasurable process, and that was ruined by the Expendables. <laughs> yeah, because because they're one of sort of the semi producers of the Dare. So, which is really interesting when I read that. Well, that yeah, it was. It was, it was. It was. I had a really good time writing that film. It's called The Ninth Circle, which there's a whole bizarre story to that as well. And. um and it was it got it got green lit and everything, you know. Avi Lerner yeah. and everything said yes, they just love this script. It's all cool, and it was getting Great. lots of good thing from 
from all the, the people, the casting people, going, yeah, we're going to cast these people. And yeah. then the Expendables made money. It wasn't meant to, turns out. <laughs> was it, it not? No, it was meant to kind of just, it was a kind of a, a sad goodbye to Sly Stallone, and it didn't it reinvigorate him in a way. And so the Expendables 2 got greenlit. The producer, the producer. of that um, said, I've got to go and do the Expendables 2, so mm-hmm. we can't do this now. We'll do it later. Oh. And then guess what happened after Expendables 2? Expendables 3? Boom. Wow. Yeah. And so by that point, you, it was just... Code, I have. I think there's and another one. So it kind of just mm. fell by the wayside, really. And uh, then that lovely chap, who is a, is a lovely chap, actually, went and produced uh, Before I Got Asleep with Colin Firth and Nicole Kidman instead. And Mark Strong, yeah. <laughs> and Mark Strong, yeah. The legendary Mark Strong. Indeed. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a journey. Um, mm. And then you... Educational, of, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very educational. So you went, sod this, I'm going to make my own film. I'm going to make... Guardians, is that how you sort of came about with the idea? You went, you know what, I'm just going to make something Indian, low budget. Yeah, it was, it was, I'd, you know, I'd gone through the process of several other scripts through, you know, various kind of financial things of like, yes, we'll, we'll go with the money way or we'll just go with the casting way. Whatever, went loads of different routes for several different scripts that I'd written. Yeah. And, and I was never intending to direct most of them. I wanted to be a director as a kid and I kind of fell into writing and loved writing and, and that became my passion. And, and I think it was really Corinthian, my short film, that got me back, got me back into directing. And, um, and eventually, it just everything just kept hitting a brick wall in one way or another, whether it was money falling through or people's inexperience or people's incompetence or yeah. just really awful end product. And um, so I decided to make something that it can only be blamed on me yep. if it was bad. And it could only fail, really, if if like I failed. You know? yeah. And... So I just got all my boys together, all my girls and boys and everybody, and said, who wants to do this? You know? And everyone kind of went, yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's like I said, we'd all done stuff for one money. Per, we'd all done stuff, for, you know, for stuff. And nothing had ever been particularly satisfactory. Mm. No one had ever had a particularly good time, other than Matt, who likes doing really bizarre experimental theatre. And so it's like, let's do something for free essentially yeah and, and that was, i mean was it was was it literally micro budget was it literally yeah. you guys going let's just shoot this when we can we shot it all in one no, block. we shot it in one block okay. apart from a couple of pickups but yeah it was because so many projects had got to sort of the 11th hour and 59th second and then mm. not happened and people were just sort of like you know there was never enough money. And we felt that a lot of projects could have happened by now if somebody suddenly hadn't decided that they needed a helicopter shot or whatever, uh-huh. or yeah. needed 48 days to shoot it or something. Indeed. We, we, and, and don't get me wrong, all of these things are nice things and, and surely would make a, a better film. But at some point you would just have to say, let's make a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's stop trying to you know reinvent the wheel let's stop trying you know trying yeah. to make our avatar let's just make a film and and a lot i think one of the reasons why mark and i've worked together so much is we very much despite despising each other as human beings <laughs> as as men we really have no time for each other but um <laughs> but uh the it, it's ultimately the story and the act the, you know sort of like shots would be picked because the continuity was right but it was the worst performance of the four takes uh, sure. and you're like oh. no, if the, if you can if you can sell the story if you're if your actors are selling your script and your script is good, mm-hmm. people will not care 
that the water in your whiskey glass went up and down. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, people won't notice. You yeah. see it in big films, in the Tom Cruise yeah, films, absolutely. with his apple in the wrong hand. You know, it's quite famous. Yeah. So who cares? Uh, uh, in um, uh, Pretty Woman, when mm. she's undressing him, his tie goes back on. Yeah. So, you know. It's, so it happens, and, yeah. and you get away with it. Uh, so we, we kind of, I was, I was doing a, a summer tour of Two Gentlemen of Rona, and I think, anyway, so I think part of the reason was Mark was alone in London with nothing to do. So I, I just had a baby. So I, was, I was walking around a lot like by the river and just thinking and thinking and thinking. Mm. And I had no time to write because I had no idea what I was doing with a child. And so then I you know, talked to him and read about having a like, two-hour conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we also had this sort of frustration that we'd been on a lot of projects. So it's an amazing account of the... Um, the film with Nail and I, with Richard E. Grant's book, mm. With Nails. It's amazing. Oh, I love that book. Great. The audio fantastic. book. Have you read the audio book? Yes. Fantastic. It's wonderful. That was his my second... car tape, that was. Yeah, it's amazing. It's his another book, one. His second book is all about when oh. he made his film. Yeah, yeah, that was really good, that one. Was it oh, Wawa? Wa- Wawa Diaries. Oh, yeah. Oh, Again, if you want to know how to make really film, good. it's wonderful how he worked with the French company. It just, it, 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 yeah. it really hurts as well. Gabriel Byrne can't do continuity. Yeah. You learn loads. Anyway, so carry on. When. Bruce, um, Bruce Robinson. Robinson was ringing up Richard E. Grant after giving him the part but haven't started. And he'd ring off every every phone call with, we're going to make a fucking masterpiece. That was mm. like his tagline yeah. at the end. And I said to Mark, and I'm not saying that Guardians is a masterpiece, but um, <laughs> my, my, my point to him when I was off, my frustration was that we'd been on so many projects that people weren't even shooting for the moon they weren't trying mm. to make something exceptional yeah. they were just trying to well we'll do what we can we haven't really got the money that we want and we haven't really got the cast that we yeah. really want we haven't got really the camera mm. that we really want we'll do our best and maybe we'll get some other work out of it you know what you probably won't do because what you're making is going to be bullshit because you're not making it with any love or passion yeah and if we're doing this for we're lifers doing this you know yeah. we're in for the long haul we don't have sick pay we don't have pensions we don't have holiday pay we we, we have you know one girlfriend after another realizes that and walks away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't have a baby with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Can't yeah, have a exa- house, nothing. Exactly. And if you're going to make all of these sacrifices. sacrifices, at least when you get on set or on stage, it's to do as best as you can. Remember what pa- mm-hmm. what stirs you. Remember what made you do this and not go and get a job that has 10% pay rise every year or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and the amount of projects that we did that where we were just frustrated that whoever was sort of in charge just liked the idea of being a filmmaker or a mm. or a, it was more more exciting for them to host pool parties. Of course it is to say, oh, yeah. I'm an independent producer, yeah. oh, I'm a filmmaker, uh. when they haven't done anything, but they talk about it. Exactly. But it is, it's that passion. That's what I say yeah. about the nobodies. I say, listen, I'm making the nobodies. I want it to win a BAFTA. It might not. It probably won't. <laughs> but fuck it, I'm aiming there. Yes. And at least if you're aiming there, then you've got some sort of chance where if you make an excuse, well, we haven't got the money, we haven't got the time. Mm. No filmmaker has these no, days. No. Even the big ones. David mm. Yates is still going, do you know what? We're struggling here because you can't afford that big CGI shot. It's every level is the yeah. same. So at but, low but, level, and, work and it, hard. And, it? and you can still choose what to make. Pa- I mean, the amount of times you do things like you're doing like a really important sort of establishing scene of a character mm. that the, your performance in that scene is going to be important 
as to whether the audience give a flying fuck about this person going forward. Yeah. And you'll be told, oh, yeah, really, we're just going to, I mean, we'd like it in one shot because we haven't got time. Mm -hmm. And then they've got enough time to do 18 shots when they've got a um, drone for an establishing shot of a building. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, yeah, I, I understand drones are a lot of fun. But um, but no one cares. But, yeah, no one, no one cares. No one's going to be impressed no, either. They're not. No one's going to watch that and go, "Oh my god, they got a drone!" Yeah, <gasps> Billy Big Dick. I there. know it's true. No one gives a <laughs> shit. They won't care if it was a shot from across the road. Build yeah. it's a shot of the building. Yeah, get on with it. Yeah, exactly. It's all about story and acting. You're right. Get another take with an actor is so important. Yeah, really. I mean, that was it exactly. And it was just what did I have available to me that yeah. I could get for virtually no money, and that was good actors. Yeah, I was fairly confident that I could write a good script. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to get the crew, and we worked with Suze Smith, amazing DOP. DLP. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And wow. she did my film Corinthian, and she'd worked mm-hmm. with, well, she's actually bizarre enough, the first film, the first proper kind of short film that me and David did, Stalker. Stalker. Um, she was the runner on that like nine no years ago. Wow. And and so she she kind of just stuck around. Mm. Yeah, she kind of just <laughs> yeah. worked her way up over nine years, and then we and she her and Fred, who's who produced Guardians and edited it, and you know they kind of worked together on other little projects and stuff here and there, just in jobbing and kept in touch. And then when Corinthian came around, Fred's like, "Let's get Suze. She's really good now." I just worked on a film with her, and I was like, "Okay, cool, like Suze." She came in, absolutely nailed Corinthian. Looks amazing. Yeah, and got an amazing crew and gotten all the I mean, stuff this stuff for is, no money. You this know. is a testament to how good a DOP is. Corinthian is beautiful, and the whole film is me topless. <laughs> wow, that's how good a photographer she is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, how did you come about? So, the idea just came from you walking and chilling. What was? How yeah. did you come up with the actual idea for it? Um, the actual idea was it was like what do I have and I know he doesn't like me saying this but that is that's my house yeah oh is that's it is it. Well, it your house yeah I keep on telling him tell him tell him we built it built it because it's a cool <laughs> house look, I was like okay this is they've got a proper nice location here. Well, I think it's a nice story because um, this is your house in London yeah this is a nice house in yeah. London it's not my house actually oh, it's okay. my fiance's house and she bought it 21 years ago good for her clever in the Docklands you've when got a clever wife th- things were even. yeah she'll never marry me um, <laughs> she knows you're a filmmaker. Like, I ain't stupid. I've had a yeah. baby with him. That'll yeah. do. But genetically oh, handcuffed. You don't need. You don't need more than that, dear. Um, so I said to her, I said, well, I, I was thinking about um, what story I could do, and I kind of wanted to do something with Neil and I. I love that, and I loved mm-hmm. just I loved the the second half with Neil and I, and the first half, obviously, all of it. Where it's just people in houses. It's just people sat around, and we'd done. We'd had quite a bit of success with our tiny, tiny little film, Beard, mm. which is it's just basically him and. David and Matt, the two leading guardians, talking about Matt's beard <laughs> in a changing rooms and whether or not it is a beard, and where they're contemplating whether or not it is actually a beard or long stubble, right? <laughs> and where does that change? It's and, a, good, and then, a good question. Yeah, and what does it mean to have mm. a beard? You know? It's never been answered. It hasn't. It hasn't. No. We couldn't answer that if we spent seven hours in here. <laughs> just seven. That's and that, just and that was made for like <laughs> four hundred pounds. I think we made that for something. Yeah. And yeah. Shot in a day. Day was it? Originally, you wrote it for a night of sketch comedy at the old red line and i couldn't do it because i think i was doing stand-up or something or i was in a play elsewhere and then then it got revived for stand-up drama which was a sort of cabaret review night 
in a hotel in the West End, mm. and I did it with Matt. And then Phil came to see it and said, "Let's make it." It was like Madame Jojo's, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Madame Jojo's. Oh, I used to DJ there. Yeah. Oh, really? Years ago, yeah. You look like you. a fella has DJing in his past. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not Madame Jojo's. Anyway. Yeah, not at Jojo's. <laughs> <laughs> or at Jojo's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that done well, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna. I kind of want to kind of just get that, get the essence of that, and blast it into a feature." Mm-hmm. And I, but I'm not an idiot. I hate, I hate films where it's just two people talking yeah. for an entire feature film, generally. I mean, yeah. unless it's with an eye. So I added the sort of thriller element to it. And because if I go past where I live on Commercial Road, there's a sign outside that says Live in Guardians in one of these houses. And also Matt's mate runs a company called Ad Hoc, I think, or did anyway, which is for Live in Guardians. Like basically actors and very unqualified security to come and look after big, posh houses. Right. And whilst our house is sizable, it's not posh by any means, quite run down, um, I thought, that, that could work. Yes, yeah, these guys. And and so I just started developing that idea. And because I know that house so well, I kind of wrote everything around the house. I knew where was spooky. I knew where was mm-hmm. kind of pretty. And I knew what, you know. Well, how the light came through the windows at certain points for certain scenes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I know Sue's did most of that, to be fair. Right. <laughs> most of it's fake light. It's, that's, that's, ah. that's how good she is. Um, and, you know, there's, there's certain experiences that I had in that house throughout my time there that scared the shit out of me. Mm. And like seeing people in the back garden or seeing shadows at windows or hearing things and stuff. And I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll, I kind of just write all this stuff in. I'll make it. And then I just developed a story around that. And kind of just, yeah, I just wanted to use all my people that I loved and worked with and wanted to give them some real meat to chew on. And uh, I knew that we couldn't do a lot of action because we didn't have, didn't have any money and we mm-hmm. couldn't really go outside that much. So I called in a few favors with like my local pub, who amazing, the local church, which my daughter goes to nursery at sometimes and stuff. And we just say, can we, can we film in your graveyard and stuff? And can we film in the pub? And, and I just, you know, I kind of just developed around what I got. Yeah. I think that's what you have to do as an indie filmmaker is what have you got around you? If you're making something for nothing. That's it. You know, I mean, I wrote the characters for, I wrote the parts for everyone in it pretty much. So there's nine parts in it. Seven parts were written for the people that are playing them. And so that's why, like, you know, Chris Spirides plays, sort of the semi-villain of the piece mm-hmm. you know I was like I want him to play that kind of character I want him to play a bit of a dodgy geezer because I love his face yeah, yeah. and you well, know should we give it a little rundown about what it's about um, yeah correct me if I'm you'll wrong. do better than me it's a comedy thriller in which two unqualified men are thrown together and tasked with protecting an East London townhouse with a big secret from unseen assailants that may or may not be 200-year-old ghosts cursed to haunt the walls of the house till emptiness consumes it yeah, sound good. Shall yeah. I play the trailer? Yeah, go on then. I just wanted somewhere quiet to think that was cost-effective. A great shame rests over this house. This house is a bloody monster. The massacre would last me minutes. What the hell have you got yourself into? I know what you're thinking, and no, you're not looking after an Austrian sex prison. So there's someone else. Two guardians for every property. It's policy, son. This is your first house, yes. I can tell. What is this place? You've been sneaking people in while I've been asleep. Time for bed. This is a life, no rent, no ties. Next round, on you. Did you think for one minute that it might have been an act of friendship? Ghost got you spooked. Bug! What the fuck do we do? Don't think I'm stupid enough to get in a fight sober, do you? 
I do not feel I can live with this man any longer. Why don't you put Mr. Lavender on? Hey, hello? What's going on? Keep it down, love. We'll get to you in a second. That was the trailer. Hey. Sounds cool, right? Oh. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> Fantastic. Good, it's a good trailer. Who cut the trailer? Um, Fred Fournier. That was Fred. Fred. And Fred did the whole film as well. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, okay. Fred's, yeah. Fred is our... Is our fixer? He's he's, your fixer. He's, a, he's a little French man that lives it <laughs> that lives in my basement and um, <laughs> no, he lives, he lives in the spare room. <laughs> well, not the spare room. He rents room in the flat of which they, I okay, live. Okay, but it sounds better. <laughs> flat lives in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> he's your guardian. Right? Yeah, yeah. Fred's Fred's the person that sort of facilitated our careers in many ways because uh, he could just do everything and he could learn stuff really quickly. What's his surname? Fournier. 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 We can't. Like let's let's all contact Fred Fournier. Yeah. <laughs> Get him some work. He sounds amazing. He did because yeah. he also he composed the music for almost all our short films as well. But you had Very some good. you had some great actors in it. Obviously, you've got Matt Pendergrast. We've talked Matt, yeah. but no one's heard his surname. Matt Pendergrast. Pendergrast. Everyone, Pe- gets, everyone gets it. Right. Pendergrast. Prender. Prendergast. Prendergast. Yeah. Hattie Hayridge. Hattie, yeah. lovely. Uh, yeah. Aaron Aldridge. Aaron, good man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's made a wonderful independent movie. Which, um, it's just has it had a title change. It was oh, Hackney, no, no, it's Hackney's finest in, in London, but in America, it's London's in finest. In America, it's London's finest. Yes, yeah, it's a very good independent. It's a, film. Oh, there you go. Yeah, good little comedy crime thriller, kind of a piss take of all the East End gangster yeah. thrillers. Okay. Bent, bent coppers in Hackney. Sounds yeah. good. It's, it's good fun. It's good fun. It's also, he's also in uh, Purge of Thrones, oh, which is the. the the, yeah. the porn version of Game of Thrones. No, it's the it's the sort of the the, the pastiche sort of parody version of uh, Game of Thrones. He plays the the Conleth Hill, the the, the spider. There you, you know? go. That's good. Um, you've also got uh, Mike Shepard, Mike Chris Spyrides, Spyrides. Spyrides sounds. I call better, him Spyrides. Spyrides. He gets really Spirides. upset by that when I say it on, on. Well, only, only when I say it on air. Um, <laughs> but yes, Spyrides. Spyrides. Yeah, and obviously David here. Um, so obviously you cast your your guys, uh, which is really nice. Keep your team together, and that's really important, isn't it? In, in low budget filmmaking, is people you know and you want to work with. So look, how, so how did you go about making it from the ground up? What? So you sort of said, look, we're going to go do this. You got your guys together. What was the process to move forward? Um, basically, I got everyone together in the pub. As is the norm, oh, and right. and um, I said, look, we're going to do this. You're all in. You all said yes. Um, mm-hmm. I reckon we need to do ten days minimum. Yeah, who's got ten days free and when? And everyone kind of we managed to get the 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 principal people yep. together for the same ten days. I believe it was February twenty sixth to March the sixth. I think in uh, two thousand and fifteen, sixteen, sixteen. Sorry, 16, yeah. and um. So that was that was that, and then Sue's kind of just basically brought her crew together. She mm-hmm. just put the word out, got the people that she liked or people that she wanted to work with. She's we're very very lucky to have that. Her boyfriend Tom is very much a a man of means when it comes to doing lots of stuff as well because he's a colorist, he's a camera operator, he's a steady cam operator. It's good to have all these. He was, people he was working on the Marvel films and stuff, so we got a few little nice freebies from that, nice. like, the, like our, our jib and the steady cam and stuff. Really? You know, Whoa. just he said, like, oh, "I just got this. I just got this from." Thing. I need to take it back tomorrow. <laughs> and you know, the Steadicam, you got the Steadicam operators. I hope we're not from, getting him in trouble. Probably not. Um, the Marvel won't be listening. No. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Marvel. Marvel we're just going, going, no, no, we must listen to the Filmmakers podcast to see if anyone's used any equipment. <laughs> from says, and then on. sue them. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I think that was the film all over. We just had loads of really, pe- really amazing people being very generous with their time or with their equipment. Mm-hmm. And also we had an am- amazing um, first AD, Joe Stars, mm-hmm. who is a child, um, virtually, as in he's very, very young. Right. We, I didn't believe how young he was when he told me because um, he was just so on it. He was so amazing. And he, and he, we had because we had to negotiate the schedule around a lot of people's working days. Of course. And because um, there was only really Matt and David who had to be there like 100% pretty yeah. much. And even they got a couple of days off. Mm. Um, Slackers. So Joe was having to work around. Every time he gave me a schedule, I was like, no, off. you can't have that because this guy works then and this guy works then or, you know, and stuff. So it was, he, he was an absolute legend on that and mm. I can highly recommend him. And then we just kind of did it, really. We just got, we just got a, the, the most amount of permissions we could get and then we did, did the rest without anyway. Yeah. And how was it for you directing then in terms of you directing a feature now and you're, it's very different from a short and the whole process of the arc and how, how did you go about it? What was your, what was your, uh, I kind of, I kind of did it as, I kind of used my experience on Corinthian where we shot quite a lot in just one day. Mm. And I thought if I can cope with that, I can cope with doing it 10 days in a row. Um, you shot for 10 days. You made this film in 10 days. It was 13 Apart, in total, yeah. but it was 10 days all in a row. Ten day and, block then, and then, then we did two days about a a month later and then a, then one more day when we realized we hadn't everything in the house pretty much was done in the table. everything in the house was done all <laughs> and the sex party days. was done later and the stuff right. by the river was done later that was the same right. day sex party yeah. in the river the same day right. it's pretty impressive shooting that in 10 days did you or were you literally kind of running you going okay we've got to get this shot let's get the next let's move 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 yeah, yeah. i mean it was i mean obviously everybody wants more takes of everything that's just you know the general thing no one everybody wants another crack but mm. they're sort of like the, the philosophy was sort of learn it theater style be completely on it and uh you know we had we had two cameras so oh, uh nice. so one over each shoulder so mm-hmm. if somebody stumbled on a word or something we went back two lines and did it again mm-hmm. um so i mean we say everything was done in three shots but it was kind of more than that was immediately double that because we've got two cameras rolling at all times and also the sort of all right i've just stumbled we're not going to just go oh fuck it's like again we just hold the moment go back a couple of lines um and and keep and just keep the the sort of theatrical uh playing the scene keep it going the 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 pub scene which is a phenomenally wordy mm. scene we yeah, did we, in, cut, we cut three minutes out of that we we did <sighs> we did in like one art one tight afternoon and it's pretty it an afternoon it was 12 well, midnight till four yeah. o'clock in the morning well that was also <laughs> because everything was set at night yes and also working around a, a pub's opening hours mm. but everybody on it was so happy the whole way through we had people like runners sleeping in the basement and we're wrapping at like 4 a.m mm-hmm. and um you know if this goes well for for mark or i it's could be a game changer but it's not game changer for the runner if it goes well and yet he's going to bed so, at 4 a.m and he's up three hours later looking for props and yet they couldn't have been a happier nicer bunch of people that were all full the project it was it's amazing it's how it should be right it's yeah, indie yeah. Comic. it just was so wonderfully chilled. 10 days of your life get on with it and just, yeah. just work hard and like you're all going look i recommend these guys work with them they're cool and that's really important well, that's it. You got to give it back, and mm-hmm. you know they they worked. They did work so hard, and for a long time as well, because a lot of people, you know, with the post production as well. You know, I mean, constantly, just it never asking ends. Asking favors, it? Uh, yeah. We're still yeah. even today. We're still asking favors. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so your directing approach 
then in terms of how you work with the cast? We, if something wasn't right for you, how did you change stuff? Um, it, it wasn't that necessary to be honest. Most mm-hmm. of the time, because because I'd worked with almost every single person in that in that cast so many times that I knew exactly how they were going to do it anyway. Yeah. And we'd tried stuff. We'd done a bit of improv, bit of kind of just messing around in rehearsals. We tried to rehearse it as much as we could. And we, and the, but bonus being, we could do it on location quite a lot. Of course. So that was before shooting. You'd come yeah. around your house and go, exactly. let's rehearse. That's good. Yeah. Gets you all familiar. So that, that was yeah. really useful. And uh, yeah, and they were, they were just on it. And so I just, you know, I wrote it for them. I know how they speak. I know, I know their cadence. I know their rhythms. So, so I just kind of, I really didn't need to do that much actorly direction. Except okay. when he was trying to do a fight scene and wanted to make it look like Jason Bourne. I was like, no, no, no. you're a crap fighter. Yeah. You can't fight. A crab fighter? Yeah, a like crab it. fight. You are, he is also that, but in a very different way. <laughs> I keep, fight the crab. Keep applying the cream, David. <laughs> Giving it all that. <laughs> Just shave him off, David. Shave him off. <laughs> and how was your process, David, working with, with Mark here as... Director and feature, obviously, he's directed your load. So, is it just like just get on with it? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I have, we work together a lot, but normally it'd be uh, Mark writing, and then there being a director between his script and my performance. Right. Um, but yeah, um, but was there? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose I mean the job of a director is getting everybody on the same page, and mm. because we worked together so much, because Mark knew us so much, we we were already on. You know, there wasn't a case of one person thinking that they were in with Nolan and I, and another person thinking that they they were in Drive or mm. something. You know, everybody everybody kind of knew that the nature of the beast. You know, I didn't go away and and live in a a guardianship as some sort of Daniel Day-Lewis exercise. It was, sure, sure. It, was, uh, it came quite naturally for you. To, yeah. to be an eccentric alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> y- yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. An obnoxious eccentric alcoholic. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't yeah, say yeah. that word. Not a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of stylization and the look of it then, in terms of the cameras and how you sort of shot it, was did you leave a lot of that to Suzanne? Is that how it worked? I kind of, I brought, Susanna, because I knew she could point a camera in a good direction and just have really good instincts of what, what looked good. Mm-hmm. And then I had my ideas of what I wanted to get. Because, like, as I said, I was very familiar with the house and, you know, kind of, I kind of just wandered around looking at the angles of stuff and thinking, that would look cool. Yeah. That disgusting bit of cobwebs look amazing or whatever, you know. So it was kind of a combination of the two, really. There were several shots that I really wanted and there were several shots on the, on the day when we'd kind of both, we'd kind of run out of time or or we'd kind of, had to re-block a bit and then think of it. And th- some of those are the, my favorite shots, to be fair. Like, mm. there's one shot, which is a one-shotter, which was meant to be done, like, in four shots, I think, where it's Matt sitting reading a book and then the light goes off and he goes yeah. and, he goes and tries, to, tries the light switch. Mm. And that was meant to be done, like, incrementally through several shots and we did it all in one because we didn't have, we didn't have time. And that's, like, probably my favorite shot in the whole film. There you go. Sometimes those little can... moments happen by magic, don't they? Just sort of yeah. So me and Sue's tried to plan sense. it as much as we could. Some things are happy accidents and some things... I mean, you make your own luck, don't you? I mean, the, yeah. the, the kettlebell scene, we did it, like, four or five in the morning <laughs> because we'd been doing the walk with the story. Yeah. The, the, the walk in the to park the where yeah. I tell the whole story of the history of the house. Mm-hmm. And we had a problem that the... Um, camera was too light for the steady cam holder because we yeah, heard uh, that before uh, yeah. and um something i don't know anything about but we, it, off. Yeah. it made it a lot 
longer process we tried to plow on through with it and make it work but it just didn't, <laughs> didn't yeah. Yeah. and we got a couple of shots out of it but ultimately we had to come back and do it with a yeah, different, do more a different of it. rig but nevertheless we were still coming back to the house like two three hours later than we expected to and and every some people were willing to like let's not bother with the kettlebell scene and i was like no let's do it because it was one of the few scenes that i'd had a writing hand in very few 99 percent of the film is exactly as mark wrote it but i added a couple of lines in the kettlebell and i was so clear in my head you had of it, this yes. particular scene mm-hmm. this is my moment that, that how we do it i was like no i can do this in literally a shot let's do it mm-hmm. And as Matt comes up the steps and he hears the grunting and he kettlebelling and hopefully the audience thinks, what is he doing in there? And then the door opens to reveal that I'm kettlebelling. (laughs) And then in each take, uh, you can see my face through the mirror on the dresser as I'm fake, but my back's to the camera and therefore Matt's point of view. And Fred said to me afterwards, I had three three takes and in every one your face is exactly on the mirror you're so technically brilliant so I went, yeah yeah I intended that I didn't even know the mirror was in shots <laughs> I love that Fred is like praising me with his technical ability utter luck. yes yes utter luck. But, but you didn't say anything you were just like oh, no thank you thank yeah. you yes I am well you know yeah. I do my best <laughs> So now you've made the film. It's it's you're, obviously it's taken a few years to get it finished and ready and distributed. Talk to me through that time. Post production took an age um, for slightly sad reasons of um, Fred going through various family troubles mm. and it was really horrible. Um, so so that slowed. I mean, everything went at a thousand miles an hour to us right, from us having this phone call. And you listening to the podcast, the Nerdist podcast, where they were mm. talking about Sean uh, Baker, Dan t- yeah, yeah. uh, and uh, well, if they can make it on an iPhone, we should. We, we no excuse. Let's go and make a movie. Totally. From us having that conversation to the rap, yeah, we were going at a thousand miles an hour, seven months. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, but then once it was wrapped, then everything slows down because well, yeah, it slowed down massively. Yeah, you're begging, you're begging for favors. Well, you're yeah. begging for it's, and it's we had windows opportunity for various people for for the music, the sound, and all this kind of stuff. And because of um, Fred's unfortunate situation, we had to shut down everything before the pitch locked, and so we couldn't do anything. And he had to go back to France for like a year, and we still managed to work, but it's slow, very slow. And so it, it it really should have, I'd say, should have been done probably eight months, seven, eight months sooner than it was. Mm. But then, then it might not have been the same film, you know. It yes. might have been different. It, you know, we might not have got the same guys on doing various things because we had to use different people for the sound. We had to use, um, I mean, I, I got more time. I got more involved with the music than I would have liked. Okay. But I had to because, and that was kind of fun though. I kind of enjoyed that because mm. Joel, it was his first feature film and I kind of chose him because... I liked what he'd done previously. None of it was a feature film. I had to go down to Brighton where he lived and sit down, sit, sit for like eight hours listening to music and go and go, uh, and then then criticizing music. And I'd never done that before. Yeah, it's a different experience. And that's because that's usually Fred, because Fred is the music man. That's you know that's he's you know qualified you know composer. So and then the sound took ages and everything and. Mm. And it was just, yeah. It just takes a long time. It uh, was. It was just, just yeah. Just does. Piecemealing it together. Just of course you are, because it's 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 no budget filmmaking. And, yeah. and then in terms of actually getting it out for people to see, how did you go about that then? Well, I kind of used um, the experience of several friends who'd um, recently kind of had films out and done, done it all in different ways. Like mm. my mate Ben, Ben Cookson, who made a film called Almost Married. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd... he'd you know he'd done his things his way and then yeah, Fizz and Ginger did two down 
then they did things their way and then my mate james rumsey he did a film called my feral heart yes mm. um and he yeah so he did his way and then it was matt was in a film called um drunk, drunk on, on love, love. Um, with shane sweeney shane sweeney yeah yeah okay look at you connecting the dots Mate, that's right yeah yeah because matt's the, the the lead in that so i kind of just i thought what worked for those films and they're all different budgets you know i mean like drunk on love was like nine grand or something and almost married was like quarter of a million and everything in between you know mm-hmm. so i said what worked what didn't and what what can i grasp as a human being with no experience in this world and I kind of just took it all. So like, I, I went with, like my, with my Feral Heart route, really, which was they went through our screen because mm. I really wanted it to be in cinemas. I figured it's a comedy. You need... you need Laughter. You need the feeling yeah, of people around. Exactly, it does you know, make a difference. And, and yeah, I wanted it to be... Because, like, you know, me and David used to work on his stand-up together and, you know, we, we both just do go a lot of comedy and David mm. is obviously a stand-up comedian of some we note. Saw, yeah. And yeah. so Mark, I just... Mark's still the first person that I'll ring with a new... Bit, yeah, yeah nice so, yeah and so you know so we got comedy gigs all the time and i want that feel i want that feel of mm-hmm. like you know big laughter and you know um so i wanted i wanted a cinema run of yep. some sort i knew that doesn't happen anymore i like this the distributors do not do that the thing unless you've got some sizable budget anyway exactly but our screen do our screen so, do indeed yeah. and so we did that and we kind of it kind of overwhelmed us a tad actually it kind of really um we had our like a West End premiere where so we had a nice weekend at the Piccadilly View. Mm. It wasn't meant to be a weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was meant. To, they gave us like the smallest screen right. for a Friday Friday night or whatever it was. I don't remember what they. they were. And then uh, I think it was actually early in the week because it's Tuesday uh, or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then. And then it sold out so quickly. They gave us a bigger screen, and then wow. they gave us a second night, and then they gave us a bigger screen for that. And it, you wow. know, it was a, a sort of natural yeah, growth progression. rather yeah. than. So we had to book a third screening at the Genesis as well, right? And because we meant to do, it was all meant to be more planned out. You know, meant to have our little premiere thing, and then not mm-hmm. do anything for a little while, and then do then do one screening at the Genesis before Cannes, and then do really all the kind of our screen stuff after after Cannes, mm. and it all kind of kicked off then really though because we're like shit we've had like three or four hundred people all of a sudden kicking in here and like Mm. and and so then we've got a couple of festivals as well um and you've won lots of awards yeah randomly as well that was strange actually because our first festival was what three four months before that (laughs) no two months because we got one in america before we'd even finished the film because I'd, (laughs) i'd been to the festival before and they wanted to see the work in progress and they really liked it and said as long as you can get it done we'll have that then we really like it great and that was in yeah we had to me and him had to fly over to america had to, had to. i like that we had to well, we had to couldn't not and we opened the festival in a double bill with it <laughs> yeah it's true. it was a what? 10 grand movie next yeah. to that it was like <laughs> well, it might be exposing the holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true so, uh, you, so you've, you've now won lots of awards you've put it on our screen how then do you go how do everyone else watch it what did you do uh, we're still we're still um, kind of taking it around a moment. I kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of wanted yeah. to take it on a little bit of a tour. Like, like I said, I really wanted to have a proper cinema run. And I've got family all over um, and friends and everyone like in the Northeast and in Scotland, big, huge Scottish contingent. And I just kind of wanted to do the rounds of cinemas first. Before yeah. we put it online. And then we've had, we've had you know, offers and we've had people talking. We've all done okay, all that kind okay. of stuff. It will, it will end up on. 
end of the year somewhere Amazon yeah Amazon most likely yeah, okay. and iTunes we've yeah. had Hulu we've had uh, yeah. lots of offers I'm not getting to the business but, side but you know but yeah <laughs> you just good. like to have a theatrical life and for as many people as possible to see it in that communion mm. and so yeah really really wanted to have a cinema life mm-hmm. and and we've, we've had a um, we're, we're getting it into a couple of uh, independent cinemas for a mildly extended run like Great, so people can see it coming up. They will be able to. We haven't got the dates confirmed yet, but okay. we've got we've got various things. We've got a few one-off screenings coming up, and we've got a couple in Islington and and Brick Lane in East London. Okay, any screenings will all be posted on the, on website. the website. And where's tell us about what's the website? Guardiansfilm.co.uk. Okay, so head there, and then you'll be able to see when the next screenings are, and also you get information about when it's actually released on Indeed. Amazon. Yeah, yeah or once we once we signed on the dotted line and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and we're pretty. We're not bashful about coming forward on the social media as well. So there's yeah. a, there's a Guardians. Well, you're Twitter. indie filmmakers, and I love that yeah. you're pushing it out. So you've got to. You've got yeah. to do yeah, that. Got Twitter, stuff. Guardians BHF. We have got Facebook, which is Guardians BHF being Brainham Film. Is that what it? British, I did wonder what it was. Well, That's British home. Like that. British home, home furnaces, furnaces. <laughs> <laughs> and where can we follow you guys where can we follow you me personally D Whitney yep. uh, on uh, Twitter I've got a website davidwhitney.org uh, which is a great website by the way like thank it. you very much thank yeah. you then your Twitter your personal Twitter uh, again just Mark A.C. Brown Mark A.C. Brown fo- follow the guys there um, boys this has been fantastic thank you thank you so much I, for having me I could have talked to you for ages oh, about right. this and gone in even more detail but uh, do check out the film it is wonderful when you can it really is a cool little indie film you've you've done amazing for the budget you've done it on thank you um, you can follow me at Giles Alderson or you can follow the Filmmakers Podcast at Filmmakers Pod you can see listen to all the previous podcasts at uh, thefilmmakerspodcast.com um, remember being prepared is everything you can make your indie film know who your audience is get out there and do it remember if you're lucky enough to do well then ride that elevator back down because it's your duty to tell everyone else. Until next time, which is next Tuesday, as always, we will see you then. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you very much. David, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. Really appreciate that. Until next time, goodbye. See you later. Brilliant, man. Thanks so much. Pleasure. No, the film's great. The film's great. Thanks.